Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the USA Today Network, welcome to The Chop, a Rutgers football podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Ross, Chris Eisman, and Steve Edelson. That's right, it's time for The Chop, a Rutgers football podcast. Ryan Ross here with Chris Eisman and Steve Edelson, recapping a Rutgers loss to Michigan State and also looking ahead to their game this Saturday against the number 11-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions in Piscataway. Uh, Certainly a game that, if not for the competitiveness on the field, competitiveness amongst families in the region lots of divided alumni around here we'll get plenty into that game frank bodani will stop by and give us his scouting report of penn state but plenty to talk about as we look ahead to this game uh guys i would welcome you back but i'm the one that's been gone for two weeks so i'll say glad to be back on the show hanging out with you guys again talking Rutgers football we are happy to have you back ryan and we have missed you uh, I am very, very happy to be back in this chair and out of the hosting seat. So thank you for coming back, and we're thrilled to have you. Chris did a great job in your absence, but it is good to have you back, Ryan. Absolutely. I'm happy to be back, but yes, you guys did a great job. I was listening when I was away, and uh, it sounded great. Flawless execution. Great job all around, but uh, certainly happy to be joining you guys once again to, to talk Rutgers football, even under not-so-great circumstances, of course, with Rutgers well, going 0-2 in my absence, uh, I'm sorry, I'll take the blame on that. It's losing to Michigan, losing to Michigan State, uh, <laughs> it is my fault. The most recent loss, 27-21, Michigan State, uh, we were just joking about. They got the late cover at the end of the game there for the, the people that matters too, but uh, still another loss for Rutgers. And they find themselves 4-6, and six, chasing that mythical six-win number, and certainly things not going to be easy with Penn State coming to town this week, Chris. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, this is, uh, you know, now they have to win both of their final two games against Penn State at home and then on the road against Maryland to, to capture that elusive bowl. And that's that's not going to be easy. Um, and I think that that's why, you know, this Michigan State game, I think, was a disappointment in a lot of ways for Rutgers and, and for Rutgers fans, because Michigan State was vulnerable. You know, even, you know, obviously, you know, they had played well, um, fairly well in, in, in the weeks before, but it, it just it. it they were still a vulnerable team. They were still a beatable team. Um, and Rutgers, you know, I think that there was a shot there for them to go to East Lansing and to pull off a win. Had they played a complete game, had their offense played well against a, you know, a, a defense that really wasn't that good, um, had their defense continued to play well. And then obviously, especially and that didn't happen and they didn't play a complete performance. And it was kind of disjointed. Like the, the defense was what struggled this time. You know, Peyton Thorne and, and Michigan State Dolphins was able to exploit holes in the middle of the field at times, especially early in the game. Uh, and, you know, the defense just really couldn't limit them as much as they could. And then the offense generally looked pretty good. Obviously, Kyle Manungai had a fantastic rushing game. Uh, Gavin Wimsat didn't turn the ball over. I thought he looked poised. He looked confident. Um, he ran the offense well. He made some really good throws. Um, but again, you know, Rutgers just self-inflicted wounds, 14 penalties. I mean, they're not good enough at this point to overcome those. And they had some killers. 
So, you know, when you have a game like that, where you're not disciplined, you know, you can't shut another offense down. I, I mean, that's, that's a bad formula. And Rutgers, as I said, it's just not good enough right now to, uh, you know, to overcome those types of mistakes. And, and really, we all know that was the key to Rutgers getting a bowl bid was, I mean, you had to really beat Michigan State and to get to six wins. And as Chris said, they were vulnerable. And I think that's what makes this kind of a tough loss. You know, normally you might say, hmm, close loss at Michigan State. Oh, that must have been a good performance. But it was there for the taking. And and I think that there's no moral victory that comes out of that game now. So, uh, you know, listen, you saw some things that you liked, but Ultimately, it was a game they had to win, and they just, they're just they just not ready to do that yet. Yeah, I mean, look, I think if you're looking for positives, you look and say, okay, Gavin Wimsett played well. You know, that that's the key. You know, that's the, the story right now for this season. The biggest story is his development, his continued improvement. Um, you know, he said after the game, you know, that things are starting to slow down for him. He started to see things better. Um, but learning in the Big Ten East, and, you know, that's not an easy thing to do going up against these defenses. Um, but he is, he did show some signs of improvement. Um, and I thought it was interesting and this, this, you know, might mean nothing or it might mean something, but, you know, Greg Shiano on Monday, you know, when I asked him about Gavin Wimsett, he said that, uh, you know, as part of his answer, he said that he thinks that, you know, Nunzio Campanelli is doing a really good job of bringing him along and, and kind of helping him improve as a quarterback. Now, the reason that's interesting, obviously, is because Nunzio Campanelli is the interim offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So if you're looking for signs maybe into Shiano's thinking of what he could do after the season in that role, you know, maybe he's likes what he sees from, from Campanelli. And that's, you know, he's kind of, you know, as we know, Nunzio is auditioning for that job. So I, I thought it was interesting the fact that Shiano brought that up kind of unprompted on his own as part of his answer, you know, as part of a broader answer. Again, it might mean something. It might mean nothing at all. But I just, you know, kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Yeah, and that's the thing you're going to run into, uh, as you guys were saying, with this team. They, they certainly have talent, and and we acknowledge that, and we talk about that every week. It's just the inexperience is, is where they really stumble, and we saw that against Michigan State. They had the talent to hang in the game, to, to be involved in that game, but then they lacked the experience to, to finish it off and to take advantage and to not only control their own mistakes, but take advantage of Michigan State mistakes, and that's where this team is right now. And, yes, they're 4-6, and six, and, of course, a bowl game would be great, but, you know, in a lot of ways, you almost want these last two games to be kind of preseason games for 2023. And you want to see what these young guys can do. You want to see them develop and learn on the job, especially at the quarterback position. And you know what? If you can sneak out two wins and get to a bowl game, that's amazing. Uh, certainly, it's not going to be easy as 20-point underdogs at home against uh, a top 11 team in Penn State this week. But you just want to see that step forward. And that's really been the, the, the theme of this team. You just want to see them take that step forward. And as it sits right now, Chris, uh, have you seen that? Have you seen them make that progress forward? I mean, in some ways, yes. In other ways, no. I mean, not to cop out of the question. I mean, I, I think the offense has shown some signs of life. I think the defense, which had been really good all season, you know, has shown some cracks at times. Um, you know, listen, I, but I, I think the thing is that they have to play mistake-free. You know, that's something I think that they control. They have to play mistake-free. They have to play disciplined football. And they haven't been doing that, even on special teams. They've, they've committed some really silly penalties. Uh, I mean, it's 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 just it's hard to fathom at times because that's supposed to be something, you know, a trademark of a Greg Schiano team is discipline. And we just haven't seen at times the, the consistency and discipline all season. And, and that has to get better. You know, and I'll keep saying it. They're not good enough to, to overcome those types of mistakes. They can't come out and just, you know, make a big play easily and, and kind of, you know, say, well, you know, we'll move on from that penalty. No, those penalties kill them. I mean, so and they, they can't do that. 
So those are the things, you know, if sad on Saturday against Penn state, if they're going to have any chance, they're going to have to play mistake free, clean football, complete performance. And for right now, for where this team is, it's, it's not going to be the easiest thing to do. Yeah. And I agree with Chris. That has to be at the top of your to-do list for this week is to clean things up, the penalties, the turnovers, play a clean game and see what happens. And, and I think that's really the most intriguing part of this game is that, you know, you know, you saw two weeks ago how this offense struggled against a very good Michigan defense. You know, they, then they made some progress last week, you thought, against Michigan State. And now you got another really good defense you're going to have to go against. So let's see if they can do better. And I think that's really, really the, the litmus test of this game is, you know, can you see growth in that offense against a really good defense? And we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see. And as I said, they're they're 20 point underdogs, uh, according to our friends at Tipico. And we have plenty more about this matchup with Penn State because it's certainly an intention grabber in our area. We caught up with Frank Bodani. He's the Penn State beat writer from the York Daily Record. We picked his brain about this Nittany Lions squad and how they stack up against Rutgers. Here's what Frank had to say. That's right. Rutgers versus Penn State this Saturday. Always a fun one in our area with all the overlap between Rutgers and Penn State here in New Jersey. We're thrilled to be welcoming in now Frank Bodani. He is the Penn State beat writer for the York Daily Record. Frank, so much. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Uh, good news for Penn State fans, bad news for Rutgers fans. Greg Schiano said earlier this week he thinks Penn State is playing the best it has all season and with Rutgers desperate for wins to try to get to bowl eligibility. Would you agree with Greg Schiano that this is Penn State's best football so far this year? I think in a lot of ways it is. The one the one caveat to that is Penn State's pass game is still an issue. But their young players, this roster is constructed, I think, better that their best talent is their youngest talent. And those guys are actually playing well in November, the young kids. And I think that's helped rise raise them up. And the, like I said, the only issue right now is I think a quarterback, if they have to throw the ball, I think that's still a question for Penn State. Frank, it seems like Penn State's defense has gotten better and better over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. It was already strong to start with. Um, you know, they're getting to the quarterback. They're second in the Big Ten in sacks. I guess kind of what's been – what do you feel like has been the big strength? What's been the key for them defensively? And how much has that really carried that team? Um, you know, while, as you said, you know, some of the offenses kind of be up and down. Yeah, absolutely. So the um, depth, you know, Franklin has more depth overall, but especially on defense than you could say maybe he's ever had since he's been at Penn State. And recruiting has finally, I think, gradually built. It took a little dip down in COVID with that part of things, but I think they're back with that and it's showing. And it's the young guys I mentioned. So it's number 11, Abdul Carter at linebacker. The kid is getting better every week. He, I mean, he's He's like Micah Parsons in many ways, and I think he's actually making more of an impact quicker with big plays than Micah did. And it's the defensive line that you mentioned with the sacks. They don't have that game wrecker on the edge, maybe like they did last year with Arnold Abikiti, but they just have more guys that can get you. And I think Manny Diaz, their first-year coordinator, has really dialed up the pressure and has said to basically everybody, here's what we have, here's our strength, Let's take advantage of it. So you'll see a lot of times they'll have four and five defensive backs, and sometimes they'll all be at the line of scrimmage trying to confuse offenses. And it's the ability to keep 
guys healthy, I think, but it's the depth up front. So young guys, no one dominating statistically, but um, kind of building on the effort of uh, just being able to rotate guys and quality there. Hey, Frank, take us through what you're seeing with Sean Clifford right now. Well, that's a complicated issue, I think. Um, he came back for his sixth year for, I think, different reasons. I mean, one, I think he knows that he loves football and he, he may not get a chance to play beyond college. And he has this extra year. And I think there are some things he still wanted to accomplish that he believed he could. He saw what Kenny Pickett did at Pitt. Um, there's a lot in front of him. And I think he's a businessman. Okay. So NIL is huge. He started his own company. Um, he probably made six figures last year. He's making more than that this year. So why would you not, right? If you have this, and I think the team welcomed him back. I mean, the coaches would, if you have a six year kid that can be your leader while your young guys learn. So in that respect, I think things have played out well for Penn State in that. I think he has led well. I think he's helped to teach the young guys. He's given Drew Aller more time to learn, not be forced in there um, to carry everything. But he just hasn't gotten better with the things fans, I think, want to see. He still kind of is. I think he reached a plateau in his performance. I think he is who he is. He's not going to make the throws the over and over again. Consistency is an issue. He misses guys. He, I don't think the reads are always there. He's a good, decent college quarterback. He's just not taking that next step, maybe like Kenny Pickett did and like fans want. Just uh, with the young tailbacks, the, the rookie tailbacks, Nick Singleton, Catron Allen, what are you seeing from those guys, and, and kind of how is Penn State utilizing both those guys? Because obviously they're both having tremendously productive seasons so far. Yeah, I think it's how ready they were when they came in. I mean, talent and stars is one thing, but what can you do quickly? And those two, for different reasons, were very prepared, more so than all their four-star running backs that they've had that kind of haven't panned out from Florida and such recently. Nick Singleton, probably pound for pound, maybe the strongest true freshman in the country. The dude is unbelievable in the weight room, and he has skills. It was just going to take a little time. Katron Allen comes from IMG, so he learned a lot. He was learning at a high level down there. Uh, football-wise, and then he also then came to Penn State, reshaped his body, dropped like 30 pounds from a big guy. They call him Fat Man, but he's he's not fat at all. Um, and I think it's made him quicker, and he, his patience and vision offset Nick's explosiveness. And I think they both have learned from the game and each other and their experiences, and they're growing in November. Hey, Frank, Penn State always likes to dip in and recruit players from New Jersey. I would think important, you know, from the recruiting perspective to come into New Jersey and, and put on a good show, especially, you know, with a lot of kids looking on. Oh, yeah. I mean, New Jersey's big. The DMV is big for them as well. So everything around Pennsylvania is huge. And I think there's like the overlap that – we mentioned at the beginning, I mean, the fans overlap, the players know each other. I think it is a big deal, you know, and they play Maryland and Rutgers back to back. And I think, um, you know, I don't know if 
this game has always gotten Penn State's best effort for various reasons. I can think back to some times when I don't know. I, I don't know if Penn State's played extremely well. I mean, last year half the team was out with the flu when they played this game at Penn State. Um, the year before, obviously, was COVID. What you know, it was like thirty mile an hour winds right out there. And 2018, that uh, Penn State just kind of muddled through. So. I think this year might be a little different. I think Penn State is not always – I think it's hard to be trending in November in college football. I think it's hard because the weather, kids are bumped up and tired, and maybe they – I don't – like Maryland looked like they didn't want to be on the field last week. But I think Penn State has a unique collection of young guys who are – I think you're going to see a good bit of energy from them. I'm, I don't know what you're going to see, like I said, offensively, but I think overall I think you'll see that this game matters on Saturday to them. Uh, Frank, I'm curious kind of what you just said. Um, you know, what's the perception of Rutgers amongst Nittany Lion fans, uh, you know, to, to make this short trip to Piscataway? Uh, I, I feel like Rutgers fans want this to be a rivalry, and it might be a rivalry in the bleachers and in the living rooms around the area, but certainly not on the field. Just curious what the, the fan base makes of Rutgers, especially now with Greg Schiano back. I mean, I think there's some respect there for what Greg's done, and they know Greg. I mean, he has ties to their school, and they know the success he had. I mean, I think Rutgers, to folks who follow football closely like this season, I think they look at Rutgers as they give a good effort, like different than Maryland, right? Maryland's all flash. They look good in September, and November they will. I don't think – I think people understand that really follow football that if nothing else – Rutgers is going to go out there and give a hundred percent on Saturday the whole way. At least that's what they've done so far. And I think there's respect for that as far as just the general fan. I mean, I think it's, it's an easy, you know, for a lot of folks, it's an easier drive to go try to see their team play. I don't know if they think a whole lot about Rutgers. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's really any kind of bad blood per se there, like, there kind of was with Maryland for a couple for one incident or two. So, I mean, I think it's a game they they look at that. Hey, it's a it's a it's a game we have to win. You know, you have to win this game if you're Penn mm -hmm. State, and you and more than that, I think it's how you go about it. I, I mean, I think it's even to the point where fans say this is a game we have to win, and we got to try to look good doing it. You know, that's the expectation. And when you look at this game now for Saturday, uh, Penn State, of course, eight and two, eleventh in the country. Rutgers four and six. Uh, our friends at Tipico have the spread at about twenty points. Uh, how do you see things playing out on Saturday? Any predictions you want to make? Well, Rutgers never seems to score hardly any points in this game. I mean, if you look back to when they've started playing Penn State in the Big Ten. Have they scored 40 or more points overall? So I, I kind of don't know if that's going to change, but Rutgers has some hope, right? I mean, look at their new quarterback. Um, got some good running game going here with the other young kid. Um, and you know they're going to give a great effort. So I think they're going to throw some shots at Penn State, and it'll be interesting to see how quickly Penn State responds. Um, but, yeah, I would think that once – Penn State, I mean, Penn State's in good hands defensively with their coordinator, their personnel. I think they will adjust, and I think it's going to be just hard. I don't know what Penn State's offense is going to do. I just going to be hard for Rutgers to score points, especially so, in the red zone, because I think, if anything, 
Gavin can maybe move them down the field at times, but it gets really hard against that defense when you get inside the 25. Yeah, especially, you know, as you mentioned it earlier, how Manny Diaz is using the defense and confusing offenses. It's going to be quite Mm -hmm. the challenge for a a 19-year-old kid who's really just getting his first extended playing time. Exactly. What he's good at is trying to find, I think, the other team's weakness and exploit it with pressure. And I think at Penn State, I don't know, maybe they've always tried to do that. It just looks like they're doing it more forcefully this season with him as their leader. And I think that is the key. They are going to try to confuse him and bring pressure from different angles and try to make him make mistakes. You know, that's, that's the key. And I think it's just going to be difficult for Rutgers to pick their way down the field time and again and score points. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see how things play out, of course, Saturday. If it's not interesting on the field, as I said, it will be interesting in the bleachers and all the divided households across Pennsylvania and New Jersey as we get ready to watch this game. Frank Bodani from the York Daily Record. Thank you so much for stopping by and chatting with us today. Uh, Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Our thanks again to Frank Bodani from the York Daily Record for stopping by the show. Uh, great stuff from Frank there, Chris. And now as we look ahead to this game and start to make predictions, you heard Frank's prediction there at the end. Uh, of course, a tall order for Rutgers to try to hang with this Penn State team. Uh, you know, no doubt about it. This is the 11th ranked team. They're 8-2 and two overall. They they certainly have some, some big bowl aspirations. And that's just who they are. You know, this is the... Ohio State, Michigan level type team that you play, uh, you know, you can add Penn State into that ranking as well. As you look ahead to Saturday, uh, we talked at the top of the show, just seeing Rutgers make progress, take steps forward. Uh, I don't think any of us will predict them to win on Saturday, but just other predictions you might have and things that you're going to be looking for. Yeah, I mean, Rutgers hasn't beaten Penn State since 1988. It's been 15 consecutive losses since that game. And I am fairly confident in saying that 2022 will not be the year that that streak comes to an end. Um, Penn State's defense, I think, is just too good for Rutgers right now. You know, they're, as as Steve mentioned earlier, you know, you saw the way that they played against some really tough defenses. It wasn't pretty. Uh, I think that this game is going to be a a tough one. And I do think that, as Frank mentioned during our interview, I think Manny Diaz is going to dial some things up against Gavin Wimsett, you know, kind of make things really difficult for him. Um, it's not to say that Wimsey can't, you know, overcome that, but it's, it's not easy. It's not, a, it's a big, that's a big challenge for a 19 year old quarterback who's you know playing the most he ever has. And I think it's going to be a challenge for this offense to really move the ball with effectiveness. I think the defense will do a pretty good job. I think they'll bounce back fairly well against, you know, Penn state offense that obviously, you know, as Frank was talking about, has kind of been a little bit up and down, especially in the passing game, but I'm going to say Penn state wins. I'll go 27, 10. I think that uh, I just, you know, I think it's maybe going to be closer than some people expect, but I don't think that uh, Rutgers will be able to pull this off. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with Chris in that. I think it will be interesting to see how the Rutgers defense bounces back. And I, I look for them to play well in this game. I really do. You know, I don't think the offense is going to do enough to get it done, but you know, I think the defense will will commend itself pretty well in this game. Um, you know, I I just think that this is a Penn State team that is not going to be messing around. As as Ryan said earlier, they have really big bowl aspirations. You know, including you know the Rose Bowl. So you know, they want to have a good showing. I think they're going to come out and and be really committed to playing well. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Penn State, thirty eight ten. 
Yeah, I'll go with 31-13. And, and I do agree with Steve that the defense will play well. And you might wonder why we're picking Penn State scores in the 30 if we believe that. I just think the defense is going to really, really put the, the Rutgers offense in, in a tough spot. And if they force turnovers and if their offense is taking over on the 20-yard the line, you know, there's only so much that a defense can do to keep them out of the end zone. So I do think the defense will play well. They'll just be kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. Uh, based on the offense. One thing I do want to see out of the offense, and, and this is kind of a hard thing to measure, I would like to see a counterpunch from Gavin Winsett, that if he gets confused, if he makes a mistake, if Penn State does something to him that he's never seen before as a 19-year-old, that maybe the next drive he comes out and he adjusts and he makes that adjustment and he learns on the job. It's it's a tough thing to measure, you know, if, he, if he's able to read a coverage better in the second half than he is in the first half. Those are kind of the little victories, the little improvements that you want to see for this Rutgers team in these last two games as we look ahead to next year. Yeah, no doubt. You can't have a, re, a Michigan uh, repeat where, you know, he has three interceptions in the third quarter. You can't do that, you know, not against these teams. So I agree with you, Ryan. I think that would be uh, encouraging for, for anyone you know, any, any Rutgers fans and those within the program too. Absolutely. And it'll be an exciting game, as we said, just for the, the fan rivalry, not quite a rivalry on the field, but uh, certainly I know of many divided households around this area with, uh, with Rutgers and Penn Staters living together, watching these games together. So hopefully it's, it's something that's fun for both sides. It'll probably be a little bit more fun for, for one side than the other, but that's why they play the game. So we'll see how this all shakes out on Saturday. Thank you guys so much for listening to The Chop. Again, thanks to Frank. Thanks to Chris and Steve for lending their knowledge. Be sure to read what they're writing on app.com and on northjersey.com. Again, subscribe to the podcast if you like what you hear. And we will be back next week to wrap up this Penn State game and look ahead to Rutgers' final game of the season. You won't want to miss that. Thanks so much for listening to The Chop. We'll talk to you next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.